Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and to the age of ages. Amen. Good morning. Today's meditation is entitled, Causing a Child to Stumble. And it's being inspired from today's gospel, according to our teacher, St. Matthew, chapter 18, which we just heard now, and I'm going to share with you again a few verses from this gospel. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child amongst them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of the child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. I read from the NIV just to give us a kind of a different perspective or read of this passage. So... Before I begin, I would like to um, share with you a trigger warning that some content of this uh, sermon might be disturbing to some of us. So uh, they may say listener's discretion is encouraged. Today's gospel is so precise about the love and care of our Lord Jesus specifically to children. And of course, our Lord loves each and every person, but at that time, Children were marginalized, they were to be seen but not heard, they were speechless, and uh, they were often the recipients of a lot of abusive behavior from adults. So our Lord Jesus wanted to clarify to his disciples that actually children should be role models to the adults, and unless the adults are converted in their simplicity and their love and their care and become like children, they will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. Our Lord Jesus also said in the following chapter, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So as we are aware, for every great offense, there is a great punishment. So the greater the offense is, the greater the consequences that happen to people. So the Old Testament would say, you know, whoever slaps you on one cheek, you know, slap them back. Or an eye for an eye, or a tooth for a tooth. Or if you steal, you know, there is a consequence. However, when it came to making the children stumble or cause them to sin, there was a huge consequence which was basically capital punishment. 
I was really interested to know about what that word made them to stumble means. The original Greek word that is used in all three synoptic gospel in Matthew, in Mark, and in John, in the same speech of our Lord Jesus. And it's so significant that it was repeated in all three gospels. So actually, the word that is used here, skandalise, skandalise, the Greek word, Sounds like which English word? Scandal or scandalize, right? So that's actually the original Greek word. So what does it literally mean? So it could be translated as cause to sin, led to sin, scandalize, to offend, to cause to stumble, to lead astray. And what it actually means is to hurt or to abuse or to neglect, to harm, to manipulate or to injure. All of these meanings are hidden inside that word to scandalize a child. To cause a child to stumble means to really hurt them in ways that we cannot fathom. So what is a millstone anyways? A millstone is a stone that is used to grind the grain. It was hard and heavy. And if you can imagine, you, you get the wheat from the field and you want to grind it to become flour or, or powder you need to use a lot of force and weight on it in order to grind it into powder. So you bring the wheat and you put it in this millstone, and then you have a base millstone, a base um, heavy stone, and then another rounded one that keeps going around on top of it, and maybe an animal who's pushing it all around, and it keeps on grinding it until it becomes powder. So this millstone that is very heavy, it could weigh a ton or more or less, if it's hung around someone's neck and thrown into the sea, there is no chance of this person to survive. It was one of the most horrible ways to lose a person's life. But what Jesus is trying to say, and he's not just being harsh, he's saying, look at the consequences of such infraction against a child. If a child, if anyone, if any adult mainly, but of course anyone, causes one of these little ones, the children, those who believe in me to stumble, okay, that word scandalize, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So even that horrible death is worse than a punishment that could come upon someone who makes a child to stumble. Also notice in this verse that our Lord Jesus would speak in the singular if anyone causes one of these little children to stumble. So even the infraction, the guilt, the crime against one child is worthy of that punishment. And that's why our ultimate goal is that in our approach to childhood, we would be converted in our mind to say that children are a true inheritance from the Lord, a gift from God that is given to each one of us as families and also as a community, we should be faithful enough to understand how to deal with them, how to help them to grow in a healthy manner. So let me speak a bit about protecting our children and then raising a healthy generation and then finally some concluding thoughts. Despite the Lord's warning, not to make any of the little ones, the children, to stumble. And when we speak about children, we're speaking about minors. 
Okay, so as opposed to adults, adults maybe 18 and up, so anyone under the age of 17 from infancy all the way to teens, mid-teens, and maybe into their later teens. That's the demographic that our Lord Jesus is referring to right now. So despite the Lord's warning not to make any one of those children to stumble, traditionally over the past decades and centuries, children have been the recipients of so much abuse and neglect. Ways that parents or, or adults make children to stumble could be one of these ways, but this is not a conclusive uh, list, of course. Verbal abuse. So sometimes we as, as parents or even as teachers or even as clergy, sometimes when children make mistakes, which is normal for their developmental change, we take it very personally and we feel the need to attack them or to insult them or to degrade them or to put them down or to call them names. And I remember, and I mentioned this before, uh, traditionally in the Middle East, when you want to encourage a child, you call them like a donkey. Hamar. <laughs> and it's normal for parents in that demographic, maybe things change now, is that, you know, and, and then children now, and you take it very personally, like my parents think I'm dumb, they think donkeys are dumb, I don't think donkeys are dumb, I love donkeys personally, they're my favorite animal in the whole wide world. <laughs> However, in that context in the Middle East, donkeys are thought of to be a dumb, a dumb animal, okay, they're just misunderstood. <laughs> but, uh, so when you call someone like a donkey, like you're calling them dumb or that, uh, you know, they're behind or, um, you know, all of these derogatory terms. But when you go and ask the parent, did you mean to call your child, you know, dumb or that they're unsuccessful or whatever it is? Say, no, 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 I was merely trying to encourage them. But by encourage them, I call them these names because probably our parents called us the same way and we just think that it's okay. So verbal abuse has to be contained and we have to really with our next generation mean what we say and say what you mean. Think closely of the means of encouragement and if you really want to encourage your children, then you try truly to look for things that build them up and make them a better personal. Other ways that we make our children stumble are emotional abuse. And this could be part of the neglect or preventing them from things. And I'm not speaking about like certain disciplines, but through a conversation, you know, and, 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 and making sure that we're clear what we're doing, what we're doing, and they are receiving it and allowing for our children to engage in a healthy conversation back and forth, even determining the consequences of their actions if we truly want to raise them as, as healthy individuals. Perhaps one of the greatest offenses against children is sexual abuse and sexual violence. The sexual exploitation of a child who is not developmentally capable of understanding or resisting the contact and or who is psychologically and socially dependent on the offender. This is the definition given by a researcher named Marie Fortune. Basically what he's saying is that Unfortunately, in every religion, in every ethnicity, in every community, and really unfortunately also in religious communities and Christian communities, even Coptic communities, sexual abuse has been tolerated for minors and for children. 
Um, this could happen from parents, from close relatives. It could happen from friends, teachers, coaches, and the unfortunate reality, yes, it could happen from clergymen and uh, Sunday school servants, etc. It is possible. The unfortunate case has been so far that we try to cover things up and we don't believe the children when they reveal that something had happened to them. We are thinking about our reputation as a family. What will people think of us? How will the community perceive us even as a church or as a hierarchy, etc.? And ultimately, we leave the victims to suffer in silence. Some of you may know that I've been taking this conversation very seriously in academic research over the past three years. And very soon I will share with you my, my findings and uh, results of, of my research. But I think it's time for us as a community and as families to admit to the fact that we've neglected this horrible phenomenon for such a long time, which caused a lot of harm to children, and of course, vulnerable adults, um, old, older teens and, and older young adults and women and men. Um, and we've exploited them in so many different ways. And we have to offer a repentance before God, ask God for forgiveness and ask all the survivors for their forgiveness. It's really important at this day and age that we come clean and, and ask God to help us to do better and to set certain policies that would protect the minors and the little ones. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. God will ask us. God will make us accountable before him. If we knew about some of these infractions and crimes happening against the minors and we remained silent, or we were merely bystanders who look at the suffering of others and doubted them or thought in our minds that it wasn't true without taking any action. For this reason, we always think about using our platform, our God-given responsibilities to protect those who are marginalized, those who are weaker vessels, those who don't have any voices or opinions. Our children are dependent on us. And sometimes we may shame them and guilt them and put on them restrictions not to speak of any kind of abuse, whether it is sexual abuse or verbal abuse, um, or emotional abuse, or also by extension, physical or spiritual abuse. The problem with this whole conversation is that the abusers always justify in their minds the abuse that they give towards children. They claim that they deserved it. They needed to chastise them. They needed to be physically uh, disciplining them, or even for incidents of sexual abuse, um, they may claim that the children were the ones who initiated it or they gave them the way to touch them in these horrible ways or act towards them in these criminal ways. It's really unfortunate that almost none of the abusers admit or have remorse over their abuse. And that's why it needs other people to speak up. It's need, we need to encourage our children to speak up and to explain to them what sexual abuse is, what verbal abuse is, what emotional, psychological abuse or neglect is, so that they ever encounter it, they are able to respond and to speak with an adult and to seek help. 
And if they can't seek help from their parents, they go to the church. And if the church can't help, they go to authorities because our ultimate goal as per our commandment by Christ is a protection to our children and not causing any one child to stumble. Acts of abuse are often shrouded in secrecy and shame and guilt where children are told not to speak because of the consequences that would befall on them or on their families. Children are exploited due to the vulnerabilities and abuse that happen sometimes preceded by a period of grooming. Another form of causing our children to stumble, which we as a community and we as families are dealing with these days, is what's been happening in the media lately. The media and the many schools have been bombarding our children with sexual images and ideologies that are not age appropriate. This is also an offense to our children and to our families, innocence that we should speak out against. Parents should have the autonomy and the agency to teach their children proper sex education in an age appropriate manner in the time that only they decide. While love, respect, and tolerance should be granted to everyone, parents should not be penalized for teaching their children their beliefs about the family dynamics and biblical principles. Any deviation from such God-given right would also fall under the Lord's warning of offending one of those children. The next question comes, so what do we need to do as a community and as families in order to raise a healthy generation. And I just want to start by saying we're so proud of our children. This generation is incredible. Only last night, you know, our children keep amazing me every single day, every single week. They've been learning in the summer camp. They've been interacting and uh, roots over the past year. And then last night, uh, there was a, a beautiful uh, Christian music festival right here in uh, Old Unionville, not too far from the church. Many young adults came out and many youth. And the children also came out and they started singing, Our God is an awesome God, in front of hundreds of people who were in attendance, who were just amazed at the fact that children in young ages, as early as 8, 9, 10, 12 years old, are standing before crowds and they're not ashamed to praise and worship God. How amazing was, was that scene? You know, we've seen adults and people in their later stages in life, but children who truly love God from their heart, they deserve our attention. They deserve that we trust them and continue investing in them and building them as so many of us, most of us as young families are doing. And I just wanna praise and thank God for amazing generation of young families who care for parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles and relatives and friends who are collectively inspiring a new generation to praise and honor God, not to be ashamed to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news with strangers, even on the streets, even in public places, along with their servants, the youth and the young adults, etc. We're so thankful to God as the scripture encourages us as a community. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, an inheritance from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And when we keep in mind that these children are entrusted to us, we will take this 
trust from God, stewardship from God very seriously to say, we don't own these children. We have no right to punish them, to penalize them. We have a God-given responsibility to mentor them, to care for them, to raise a new generation who will respond to proper teaching, to calm teaching, to appropriate ways of ed education and, and mentoring them and showing them by example what it means to be a good Christian in the 21st century. And this is exactly what our young families are doing. The scriptures also say, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Just set for them the path and see how they will respond as they have been doing already. St. John Chrysostom said, in, in children, we have a great charge committed to us. Let us bestow great care upon them and do everything that the evil one may not rob us of them. You see, we have opposing forces happening in the world today and it's very real. It's very real that the evil one is trying to snatch away and win over the next generation. But by God's grace, we will not let him. Amen to that? We will not allow the evil one to rob us of the most precious gift that we have, whether it is internal forces of evil or external forces of evil. We will stand before it as one united community to say to him, as the Lord said, away with you, Satan. Away with you, Satan. Can we say that together? Away with you, Satan. You have no part in this community. We will stand in guard for our children. We're not be like fanatic and, and so scared, but intellectually caring, spiritually nurture our children, respect them, give them a way to express themselves and show them the way and they will definitely respond to that. We will eliminate every force of evil that may hinder them from their spiritual growth. We're not going to spoil them. We just show them true Christian nurture and care that is only befitting to the children of God. Look at St. John Chrysostom. He continues his speech by saying, many of us have other priorities. Okay, I know that this is not so much the case in our generation. Things are shifting now. But he's saying a lot of people give attention to their work, to um, their field, um, to their workers, all of these things to earn money and funds and this and that. But we don't provide the same care to our children. Look at the exact words of St. John Chrysostom as he continues. He says, we take all care indeed to have our farm in good order and to commit it to faithful managers. But we do not look out for what is much more important for a person to whom we may commit our son as the guardian of his morals, though this is a possession much more valuable than all others. It is for him indeed that we take such care of our estate. We take care of our possessions for our children, but of the children themselves, we take no care at all. Form the soul of your child aright, and all the rest will be added thereafter. What St. John Chrysostom is encouraging us to do is to set our priorities in life. To know that, you know, in our mind, maybe, oh, I'm doing all this business or earning this money for, to take care of our children. And then we find that time passes and years and decades and we forgot about our children and we only care about our career. He's not saying don't take care of your farm, your career, but he's saying 
Spend the time with your children, mentor them. The greatest influence to our children comes from their own families, from their parents, from family meetings and meals and gatherings. This is where we should be investing so that none of that evil externally or internally is going to impact them. When we set this priorities right, then God will continue leading and mentoring a beautiful new generation. Children rely on their parents for their daily sustenance, nurture, emotional support, and spiritual care. On the day of their baptism, we made a promise before God to care for their well-being. As a church, and I say this from the pulpit today, as a church, we commit to nurturing, loving, and respecting every child, regardless of their developmental stage, their physical ability or disability, their mental state, their um, age, their gender, what, their socioeconomic status. Every child matters. Every child is loved and cared for, and we stand before you accountable today and before God. We have set for ourselves very clear policies on how to eliminate any type of abuse in the church, whether it is verbal or mental or physical, psychological, spiritual or sexual abuse. And we're very clear in our training with our servants, whether it is for the summer camp or Sunday school or roots on the expectations on how to nurture the children without exploiting them. And we expect the same also from all of our children. This is a God-given from our servants and parents. This is a God-given responsibility, and we make it clear, and I'm sure you'll have more questions, more conversations on this subject, and we look forward to having some of these conversations. Finally, let me conclude by the saying the following. We are all accountable towards one another. As one family, we keep an eye on not only our biological children, but our spiritual children and our friends' children. If you see something, say something. Do not be a bystander and turn the other way. What Jesus is saying today is that if anyone causes one of these little children, those who believe in me, to stumble, it is better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Participants in abuse, not only the ones who cause the children to stumble, but all the collaborators or the accomplices, all those who cover for them are also accountable. And that's why we are mandated reporters for any kind of abuse that happens. If we notice that a child is being beaten at home and they're being asked to remain silent, we have to speak up. We have to protect the children. It is our top priority. We cannot remain silent and say it's going to be okay. People lost their lives. People lost their psychological well-being and they were in treatment for decades to come after being the recipients and the victims of such abuse. And by God's grace and the nurture of the community, they became survivors, which means that they have conquered their fears, but it's not an easy task. And this is something that all of us should participate together in. Parenting today is a difficult task and we should invest our time in learning modern way to parent. Even if we've been the recipients of various types of abuse in the past, we must encourage and mentor one another to seek what works in this generation. Not just, this is the way my parents used to deal with me. I'm just going to mimic it. Can we advance? Can we evolve? Can we truly 
parent the next generation in the way that God intends for us, not as the world expects from us. So many challenges in the world today, but by God's grace, we will rebuke Satan and invoke the Spirit of God to be the guide of this community. No more excuses of he made me do it or he deserved it, but truly seeing each child as a beautiful image and a creation of God. Today's children are tomorrow's adults and parents. When they are nurtured in a healthy spiritual environment, they will also follow in our footsteps. And I want to assure you again that we're so proud of this beautiful generation of parents and of children who are together raising a committed generation to honor God and to serve Him despite all the challenges that they face. We're seeing children who are engaged in ministry, in service, in witness, and in evangelism, and in serving their own communities. We praise God, and we want to encourage one another today to continue to walk together hand in hand in the faith in order to give God all the glory, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.